the Author to Author podcast series with award-winning author Pamela R. Haynes. Welcome to the podcast. Dalgetty Herbal Teas produce 100% natural high-quality organic teas using only the best ingredients. Available now from all major supermarkets or please visit our website at dalgetty.co. Dalgetty Herbal Teas. Greeting lovely listeners from a sunny United Kingdom. Thank you for joining me on the Author to Author podcast. I hope the sun is shining wherever you are in the world today. I am your host, Pamela R. Haynes, and I really do appreciate you joining me today. News Justin, the Author to Author podcast, has new slots on East London Radio Mixcloud, which they are calling the Talk Zone, on Tuesdays from 9am, Thursdays from 4am, and Sundays from 12pm British Summer. I am delighted the podcast is part of the lineup. This week I have been playing tennis with my publisher, metaphorically batting the manuscript of Loving the Sisters backwards and forwards as we get closer and closer to our publishing date. And I cannot wait to hold the books in my hand when the books are eventually published on the 27th of July 2022. In today's podcast episode, I interview author Leah Bailey. Let's jump into her episode now. See you on the other side. Hello there, Leah. Thank you for joining me this evening on the Author to Author podcast. It's nice to finally get the opportunity to speak to you. Hi, Pamela. Thank you for having me. It's it's equally a pleasure to speak to someone I admire so much. Oh, wow. Well, thank you very much. Tell the listeners, where in the world are you originally from and where are you based now? I'm originally from a small kind of suburb of Philadelphia in the United States, East Coast, so about an hour and a half south of New York and about four and a half hours north of Washington, D.C., which is how I oriented myself when I first came over. Everybody knew where those two places were. (laughs) And um, now I reside in uh, Wimbledon. Which is West London? Yeah, it's uh, southwest London near near Surrey. It's in the in the zones, as it were, but you know, not in the centre. <laughs> right. What was the reason for travelling from the states to to London? Well, originally, I came over to the UK to study English literature. I studied at the University of Kent in Canterbury for my year abroad. That got more interesting because the year that I was studying was my third year of university, and that was September of two thousand one. And my flight was delayed by 9-11. <laughs> so I had a very interesting academic year over here the first time. And during that, that year of study, I met my ex-husband, who is British. Uh, he and I are still friends. And we were together for like 10 years. So I decided to move after graduating from my American university. I decided to move over to Britain permanently to be with him. And then after we separated. I had just finished my teaching qualification, so I decided to stay because my life was here by that point. Awesome. London, London was a result. Yeah, London was a result, obviously, of all of that. London was, you know, there are more better, there are better job opportunities for an English teacher in London than in uh, in uh, outer sectors. You're a teacher. Do you teach primary, secondary school, college? What What age group do you teach? I have a PGCE in English, Media Studies and Drama for the age groups 11 years old until 18. So I can teach Key Stage 3, uh, lower school, uh, Key Stage 4 and Key Stage 5. 
and my primary subject is English. So I do, I teach teenagers essentially English literature and poetry. Right. And what kind of books are on the curriculum at the moment? Well, since I've been teaching, this is my 11th academic year teaching, and I've taught four different exams, four different syllabus, because they they do keep changing it. Most of the exams have a, a 19th century text, a Shakespeare text, what they refer to as a modern drama. So anything after 1945, usually in spectacles, and uh, a poetry section. It used to be there was an anthology of poetry they studied as well as unseen poetry. But this particular year, the anthology has been set aside to make it, you know, feasible at the moment with everything being what it is. But they do still have four units, always a Shakespeare play, always a novel, always a drama, always a, always a bit of poetry. So what happened during the pandemic? How did that impact on education at your school? At my school, because of the unique circumstances of my school, I don't teach in mainstream. I have I, I teach at a proprietary private school for students with special educational needs. So those students are high ability. They're very, very bright, very, very able students, but they have different non-neurotypical things like uh, social emotional, they have anxiety, or some of them have autism or dyslexia or ASD, but they are frustrated in a mainstream because they can't concentrate. And they can't focus. They're very, very smart and they're very, very able, but they're held back by the chaos of a 30, 30 person classroom. So at my school, most of my teaching is one on one or two on one. I, I don't think I've ever had a class bigger than five. So we get a lot of individual attention because of that. During the pandemic, we were able to move online without it being quite so complex or difficult. Um, students that weren't able to access technology at home. We were able to give laptops from the school uh, store so that we could all work from home and do an online teaching. We didn't do that for very long because of the bubble that we can be in. It's a very, very small school, like 50 students, 50 staff. But while we were in the bubble, while we were teaching from home, it was a lot easier to functionally do it because it was only one-on-one. It was like more like tutoring. Now, it did massively impact their mental health, their behavior, their ability to socialize, their ability to interact and and keep up. I'm a very discussion-based teacher, so I like sitting at a table with two or three people and discussing what we're reading, because it's a lot easier for me to pick up when they don't understand something or, or kind of tease out an extra question when they're sitting across from me. The computer is a little more difficult with that. So I was deliriously happy when we went back to live teaching. How long have you been back at the back at school now? We started back almost a lot sooner than most mainstreams because we were so isolated, because we were so small. And, you know, I got all my vaccinations straight away, be safe. And we came into the school and no one was allowed in the school from outside, nobody at all. And we had masks, we had face masks and visors and all the gear. So we went back for the last month of that academic year for half the school. And then from uh, from September of 2020, we were back full time. We were back in. Been back quite a while now. Yeah, we were only out for a couple of months, but because, you know, our students really need that contact more so than most. But definitely it was it was really important that they get that socialization. Oh, thank you for that. 
And also thank you for donating two copies of Chasing Apollo to us. I know it's going to make a really special gift for our competition winner, but it's not your first book. What's the name of the first book that you wrote? The first collection that I released was Between Hindsight and Foresight, Poems from My Walk. And that was really, really scary because it, I, I've been writing since I was 14. I've always used my writing as a catharsis, as, a, as you know, an expression. But, and I've always wanted to publish. But that's terrifying, especially you know, with the way publishing is. You know, needing an, do I need an agent? Do I need to go through traditional ways? Do I need to publish in magazines? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? How do I be a real poet? And so uh, a friend of a friend told me about uh, a small publisher who used to be an English teacher, who is absolutely deliriously fantastic, who took on my manuscript and helped me make it real and then left it all up to me. So it's about 20 years worth of my best work from my early, some of them are exactly as they were when I was a teenager. Some of them were written months before it was published. So I'm really proud of it. But Between Hindsight and Foresight is a collection over space and time. The one that you have copies of, Chasing Apollo, was my second collection, which was released last September. Yes. So obviously, I remember the book launch, seeing the photos and the footage on Facebook. And I dipped into the book last weekend. The idea I had was that I was going to ask you if you wouldn't mind reading a few poems from the book. And when I opened it, I realized that. It was the longest poetry book I've ever written, ever read, I think, since being at school myself. So where did you get the idea from to write Chasing Apollo? Well, oddly enough, I, I run writing workshops for my students. And one of the writing workshops that I run is teaching them how to do different forms of poetry, one of which is haiku. And there is another form of poetry called tanka, which is what is in Chasing Apollo. I was teaching them how to write haiku based on photographs. And in the last international trip I took was February 2020, I went to Rome and I took almost, I took over 300 photographs and I loved it. I was there a week. I could have taken six times as many photographs, but uh, I used some of my photographs from Rome to help in the workshop with learning about sensory and freezing the moment and, and how to use a photograph, create poetry, especially haiku and tanka and, and that kind of poetry. And I wrote, I used my, my photos in the workshop and I started writing them myself. And I thought, you know, this is kind of fun. What if I actually did this as a thing? And so I put all my photographs into separate folders for which day they were taken in the right order. And then I started writing. So the idea behind the poem is it is a, a journalistic poem. And this is follows on to a kind of Japanese tradition and other forms of kind of traveling poetry where the each verse should feel like you're on my holiday with me it should feel like you're walking with me on the streets that you're going from site to site with me that you're feeling the emotions and having the experiences with me as you go through the verses and it is quite long it is the longest poem i've ever written but i used the photographs to help and it was it was delightful to do <laughs> i have to say well it was exactly as you saying i felt like i was on holiday with you and not just on holiday with you, like a silent, a silent visitor, because you were making decisions about whether you should leave the hotel now or not, whether you should go back by a certain time, whether you should eat there, 
or not. You know, I think one day you fancied pizza, but then ended up having something else. But I did feel as though I was on holiday with you. And I mean, the book spans in terms of verses. I mean, it's 182. um, 187, 187. Verses. You definitely get the sense of all your adventures that you had as somebody who was traveling alone on holiday. So it's very cleverly done. Did you like the illustrations? I'm going to ask you about that, about that in a minute. But so it was actually a holiday that you went on, that you were writing, that you were writing about. So it felt like when I go on holiday, I might jot down a few notes of things that I did. But how do you turn that from being just a few notes into poetry? How is that done? As you as you said, the main poem is 187 verses long. And I used my photographs to help me do that. So I'd chosen the form that I was going to use and I had organised it and structured it to go day by day, moment by moment. And so I had taken notes, as you say, I had already planned on writing a few poems about it because I'd taken notes of stuff while I was there, just random stuff that occurred. And those ended up being smaller poems that were after the main poem, but the idea behind it got sparked with that workshop about haiku. And then once I had committed to try and do it, then it was like I was reliving my holiday um, as I wrote it. So the decision to actually do that was quite, uh, was, you know, once I'd committed to it, it's like, okay, now I, I have to be true to that feeling and I have to experience that feeling. And if I'm, if it doesn't recreate that for me, then it's, it's no good. I'm not going to do it. And the further I got and I shared it with a few people as it was in progress and they were like, you absolutely have to finish it. This is great. So the idea came after the holiday. I used the photographs I'd taken as a tourist to help remind me of the order of things and and where things were. And and I used the notes that I had taken for the smaller poems to remind me of things. So it all came from having those, those creative impulses while I was there and then wanting to relive the memories after. How long did it take you to finish the book? I started it, I want to say March of 2020. And then obviously we were in lockdown because it had to be March of 2020 because I was, I, it was a workshop I'd done with the students. And obviously we, we, were, we were in lockdown from the 23rd of March. So, um, and then it was finished and sent off to my publisher to kind of do all the editing and, and such for about, I want to say May of 2021. So in terms of like writing, not long at all, but because I had so much helping me visually and, 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 you know, form wise, that was probably benefited the speed of writing it. I've never written anything that long and I've never written anything that fast that I was happy with, but, uh, but that's so between, so say between March of 2020 and May of 2021, and then it was released in September, 2021 the book launch like a party (laughs) it was it was a party I had lots of friends and colleagues there and there was a few people who I I hadn't met before there it was kind of a dual launch because I was supposed to have a launch for the first book that never happened because of the pandemic so we kind of launched both at the same time in the first book there's a poem about um this my writing place I go like once a week I set aside two hours to go and write in this noisy uh piano bar in Wimbledon and so we were having the book launch in the piano bar and I, I invited I, I, I invited the piano player 
from one of the poems in the first book to come and play at the launch. And so we we did had some readings and we had some signings and we had some games and listened to the piano player after and just had a good good time. It's great. <laughs> Certainly deserved and and needed to after so long in lockdown. So I'm glad to hear that you had a really good time. You have a third book out. You're part of an anthology. What's that book called? So after the first book came out, uh, my publisher put it on the, her um, social media. And a lovely, wonderful lady named Dee Bailey, who was running a lockdown community Zoom once a week, said, oh, any of your lockdown authors that want to come to our community Zoom should pop on over and have a good time. And since we were all still in lockdown and I was working from home and all of that, I, you know, I couldn't do my regular night out. So I it was it's the same night. I thought, OK, let's go in and meet these ladies. And these are some amazing, amazing women. You know, it's International Women's Day, so I've got to mention that these women are incredible and they come from all ages, all walks of life, tons of experience. And the anthology comes from those experiences. So this is the anthology that I took part in is their second book, actually. Their first book came out just before I, I, I joined the group or they, they started it just before I, I joined the group where it's called Life in a Lockdown. And they wrote about their experiences dealing with lockdown, dealing with the pandemic and all those things. And some of them are incredibly beautiful and some of them are incredibly raw and just fantastic to read, to feel like they're everyday people that they are. They're not they they are authors, they are writers and they are published, but they are also real and true. And so when I was asked, I was part of the Zoom for, for it's almost, almost a year now. And when they started to think about a second book with life out of lockdown, I, they asked if I, if I wanted to participate. And I jumped at the chance because these, these women are special and these stories are special. Well, yes, I think um, one of the ladies that's part of Life Out of Lockdown is the station manager for Pam Tango Radio. And we're due to have her on the podcast as well. So I'm looking forward to getting my hands on the the book and the very first one, Life in Lockdown. I think it's uh, Leisha who's written a part of that anthology. So I'm going to have Leisha. Yeah, I'm going to have Leisha on as well. Um, but Dee Bailey is fantastic in terms of, you know, giving women the opportunity to write their own stories. So I, it was good to see your name as part of that book as well. Are you able to read a poem from Chasing Apollo, please? Yes, I can. So I'm a big fan of being in the moment. And one of the reasons why Chasing Apollo was like that, like it was, is those frozen moments, the photographs turned into memories that are frozen. And this poem is from the end of the book. And it is the very last moments as I was leaving, you know, the, the, the view out of the porthole on the airplane kind of thing. So on the seas of time travel, time expands and contracts, like breathing, blinking, flying. Time fills its sails like a frigate, butterfly, or kite. Time rolls and ripples like the Tiber or champagne, tears. You can dip into it like a memory or dessert or sauces. You can regret leaving like an unfinished task or a misdate, lost earring. You can hope to return like a target or strategy, goal. You can go forward like imagination, creation, or dream. 
travel in time now to a place, to a feeling, to a moment. Thank you very much for reading that poem, which comes at the end. Can you tell us about some of your other writing projects? What's, what's next for you, Leah? Well, I have lots of plans, obviously. I don't think I've ever met a writer that doesn't have like five different plans. What Some of the more amusing may or may not happen. My publisher joked when she saw pictures of my cats that I should write a poetry, a poetry anthology of cats. And, you know, uh, I shall be doing that at some point just to annoy her, if nothing else. But um, I also have two, uh, two things forthcoming. One is a collection that is in the process of being uh, produced now and should be out sometime this summer, either April or May time. And that is a collection that is more like the first book, a variety of different poetry, poems, a variety of different styles and types of poem called Coffee in Paper Cuts. So at the moment, there's just a book cover, but it, it will be a real book by uh, April or May this year. So Coffee in Paper Cuts should be out this summer. The project that I'm going to begin after the summer is actually more like Chasing Apollo, is uh, going to be based on a trip that I'm taking for this summer, which uh, I was supposed to take last summer called, uh, and the title of that is going to be Second Score. And that's going to be more like a travel poem pastiche of of those experiences, because I enjoyed writing Chasing Apollo so much. Where are you traveling to? Because I turned 40 last summer, I decided to spend a week in four different cities celebrating my my each decade of life. So I'm going to be in Athens, Rome, Barcelona and Paris. Sounds lovely. That sounds lovely. How long will you be away for? About a month. Great benefits of being a teacher as I know exactly when my summer is going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic um, length of time to be away for as well. So you get really good full experience um, while you're away. Are you reading anything at the moment? Uh, I just started reading a new author called, and, and I mean, she's not an, a new author for by any means in, in reality, but she's new for me. Uh, and I in, am enjoying some short stories by Joanne Harris. She is very famous for writing Chocolat. And she's a she's a, a Kentish writer, or she's from she's from Kent, as far as I know. I started reading her stuff because I've been promoting my books and going on Twitter and Instagram and all those things that you're supposed to do when you're trying to trying to help people read your work. And actually, I picked up her books because I liked her Twitter so much, which is is kind of like the other way, the backwards way around. I usually like an artist and seek out their social media. But I found her social media and sought out her art. I'm reading something called Jigs and Reels, which is her first short story collection. And it's brilliant. So I'm enjoying that. But when you're not writing and when you're not teaching and when you're not reading, how does what does Leah do? How does Leah relax? I consume a lot of TV and film. I consume a lot of stories. I love them. Every way of accessing stories. I play games. I, I, I'm, an, I'm an Xbox gamer, sadly. Oh shocks the heck out of my students um I go camping I love to I love to hike and go and go camping I like I because of my drama background I like making a historical costume and so I I, I always dress up for world book day I was uh one of the Grimm's Grimm's brothers witches for world book day on Thursday painted my face and had a proper witchy outfit going on oh wow and you went into school like that well of course I did absolutely it's all about it's all about giving them the confidence to to you know be original, be outstanding. They they always are like, what are you wearing? I'm like, a dress. 
Why? Something unusual about that? <laughs> you know, we all wear masks and sometimes we get to enjoy them. How did you find your publisher? I mean, I think it's important that we tell the listeners that um, your publisher is Danny Blechner from Conscious Dreams Publishing. You know, we have already interviewed Danny. Your inter- your interview will follow hers. So, but how did you, you know, how did you find her and how did you find the whole publishing process? I met Danny through a mutual friend because um, obviously, you know, Danny used to be an English teacher. Uh, still is teaching in schools and passing on that that knowledge. She uh, she worked with a, a mutual friend, a colleague who I also taught with. Um, and uh, so every time I would talk about publishing, every time I would talk about freaking out with the publishing industry and, you know, do I self-publish? What is this ebook stuff? What is this Kindle publishing? What is, do I get an agent? Do I send off, you know, or the, the, every time I approached publishing, it set me into a complete tailspin of freaking out. And at least three times before, my friend had told me, I know this lady named Danny Blechner. Leah, I know this lady named Danny Blechner. You really should check out my friend Danny Blechner's page. And so finally, I, I heard her and, and listened to her. And I went to the Conscious Dreams page and it, it seemed like a match made in heaven. And so having contacted uh, Danny and talked to her about my book and why I wanted to publish my poems, she said, send me your manuscript. And then from there, she made the process so easy, so simple. Um, I've been just loving it ever since, so much so that she's published all the work that I put out that is mine. You know, my, my two collections coming up on three collections, I don't think I will choose to go anywhere else because she really cares about it being what I want and my vision. And she makes it really, really simple. She gives me all the options and she says, pick from this, pick from this, pick from this. Oh, look, it's really a book and now it's in your hand. (laughs) And so what was in my head becomes reality because of the process with which she facilitates. That's really important when you go with um, a publisher, you just can't go with anybody. It has to be the right fit for your your projects and someone who wants to see your book do really well and has your best interests at heart. So I'm really glad that you found that kind of person in the publishing house that you that you went for. But if there are listeners out there who are aspiring writers and poets, what would be your number one advice that you would give them? about developing their crafts? Probably first and foremost is make sure you read as much and as widely as you can, because there is so much to learn about how other people do it, how other people use words, how other people express themselves, so that you can cherry pick and follow in the footsteps of people who have been doing it for a long time, or even if they haven't been doing it for a long time, have push themselves forward to complete the process and you can decide oh I don't want to do it like that or I do want to do it like that I I want to do this style I want to try this structure I want to try this form I want to try these techniques or not at all if you want to completely rebel but the important thing is to read as much as humanly possible so that you have that wide vocabulary you have that experience of knowing what you do and don't want Because the worst thing you can do is be crippled by indecision, not knowing what you know you want to say something, you know you have something to say, but you don't know how to say it, and you don't even know how you might say it. So read as widely as possible. And then secondly, I would say, 
do not let some some kind of inner voice that tells you, well, nobody wants to read what I have to say, stop you. I, I mentioned Joanne Harris before. Recently, she tweeted about imposter syndrome. Yeah. And she's quite right. It's something that we all suffer from, published or unpublished, any kind of creative, any kind of artist, any kind of person, we all feel it. And she actually mentioned an interesting point that sometimes after you've been published or after you become successful, that imposter syndrome sometimes becomes worse. Because if you've been successful, then the expectation is that your next project is going to be successful and the next and the next. And so this feeling of pressure and are we really a writer? Are we really a poet? Everybody has it. And I have read some brilliant books by some brilliant writers who I, I'm sure feel that sometimes as well. So don't let it stop you. And then, you know, try to enjoy it. Last bit of advice. If it doesn't bring you joy, it's not going to bring anybody else joy. If it doesn't bring you relief or catharsis, if it doesn't help you, then it's it's not going to help anybody else. You know, find the joy in it. Don't like not do it, but, you know, find, find the joy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with you with the last one. You know, you have to, I enjoy creating the characters. I enjoy putting their personalities together and you know, even the ones that I don't like, even the characters that I don't like, you know, but there is a process and a joy in being able to create something and put it together. So that's fantastic advice that enjoy doing it. Um, and then other people will enjoy your work, uh, your work as well. So Leah, if people wanted to get hold of your, um, your books, how would they do that? Uh, I am available on Amazon on in both the UK and the US. I also have uh, social media accounts through which I can be contacted, Instagram and Twitter, Leah the Dreamer, Facebook, Works of Leah the Dreamer. I'm on Linktree as Leah the Dreamer. Linktree is probably your best bet because it has all of it. Uh, I have a YouTube channel where I give you the stories behind each of my poems, as well as writing tips and, and readings. So there's a, there's a lot of places where you can see my, my work. That's fantastic. Yeah, what a treat. And people can also enter the competition, which is coming after this podcast interview and see if you can win yourself a copy of Leah's book, which again is called Chasing Apollo, Poems from Rome. That bit in as well. Leah, thank you so much for taking part in the Author to Author podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, wishing you all the best with all of your books and the ones that are just about to come. Hopefully we're in a better situation where I'm able to get out of the house um, this summer and come to a book launch. Um, so please make sure you invite me because um, I'd love to actually meet you in person. We've been Facebook friends for, I would say, about two years now. So oh, that's because really I loved your good. books. That's because I loved your books so much. <laughs> so it would be lovely to actually finally get out and meet people. And it'd be lovely to meet you as well. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast as much as I did. It is competition time now. Leah's book is called Chasing Apollo. But where in the world is her book based? Taking part in the competitions couldn't be easier. Send me a direct message on Instagram at lovingtheauthor or on my fan page which is called Loving the Author. The competition closes this Friday so you have to be in it to win it. In the meantime, have a wonderful week ahead. Bye for now. Please join Pamela R. Haynes for another 
Author to Author Podcast, coming soon.